what's up? What's up, what's up? Welcome to episode 13 of the Beyond Podcast. Coming to you live from Austin, Texas, where a yet another snowstorm has fucked people's day up. Fucked people's life up, really. People don't have power and shit. I'm lucky enough to have power right now. Thank you for that. Uh, today on the show, we got Michael Swing, who used to be the chef at a place called Kuma's Corner, which was like this weird little intersection of of underground metal and burgers. It's 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 just a it's just a weird little phenomena that happened. And they're still kind of riding that wave a little bit, but I'll let I'll let Michael tell that story. It was a weird bit in the mid to late two thousand tens where like if you were into like the Chicago metal scene and you were also like in the food scene, you kind of couldn't avoid Kumas, you know, because like all the metal bands in that scene were kind of getting features. Let me, let me explain what I mean by features. It used to be that Kumas would collaborate or feature a band and name a burger after them. Right. And so there's a lot of bands that I loved that I still love, like uh, Chicago bands, like Indian and Locrian uh, Pelican Lord Mantis, uh, Russia Circles a little bit. But there were a lot of bands related to that scene, like Primitive Man, The Body, Thou, Full of Hell, uh, Isis, Death Heaven. You know, all got, you know, burgers named after them. And they're like really over the top, crazy. Like if you took a metal heads jean jacket with all of its black metal patches and shit, and you turn that into a burger, that's what Akuma's Corner Burger is. But I was into that scene a lot more back then because it was a lot more bands like Pelican and Russian Circles, you know, that post-rock sound back then. And that they kind of got a, a big feature, Kuma's Corner, if I remember correctly. But it's cool to hear that a lot of the people that played in these bands ended up working or were working at Kuma's Corner, which is crazy. I mean, it's not so crazy. I mean, they're they're underground metal bands. Of course, they're they're working a shitty underpaid job, of course, man. But if you're into any sort of metal or ex- extreme metal, which I, I don't know what por- portion of my audience is, but if you're at least interested in it, bands like Indian and Lord Vance's and Primitive Man, like some of the most harsh, unforgiving, just vile metal you'll ever hear. And, uh, and it makes sense. Cause like coming out of Chicago, it's such like a harsh city. I thought about actually putting a little bit of that music in this episode, but I don't think anybody, anybody would enjoy hearing, uh, snippets of Indian or primitive man. I don't know. Maybe I'll do a little outro. We'll see. You'll have to listen and find out. Stay till the end until, and find out. Isn't that what TikTok does? But there is other, you know, Russian circles and Pelican and and ISIS and stuff like that. They were uh, a little more like easy listening, instrumental shit. I don't have much to say in this intro. That's why I'm mainly just talking about metal bands because that was how I found Kuma's Corner. And that's how I know Kuma's Corner. But I'm going to let Michael tell that story. I ain't got shit to say. As usual, you know, do all the things that help if you rate this podcast and you share it, that's a huge help. If you would like to support me, peonmagazine.com slash support. 
if you'd like to get in touch, Peon Magazine uh, on Instagram, just DM me. I'm here. And um, if you'd like to buy some merch, still available at peonmagazine.com slash store. One of these days, I got to do like a little, uh, another metal mashup, you know? Instead of Black Flag, maybe do like some some hardcore and metal-inspired merch, you know? Anyway, enjoy this episode. Uh, it's a great one. I know I always say that, but it is. Enjoy. Good, man. How about you? I'm doing all right. All right. Well, I, I really appreciate you doing this, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, can I ask you, how, how did you come up upon my name or how'd you find me? So I use, I use um, Instagram mainly because it's just me doing this podcast. So I just try to find like uh, cooks and chefs, people who have been in the industry who look like they got some interesting you know, stories or shit to say. And okay. uh, I think I was looking at Kuma's Corner, which is I'm, I'm a big metal fan and I've been following them for, for years. And then I think... It said that you were the chef there at one point. Is that yes, true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's 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 how I found you, and I was I was like, damn, this guy looks like he's got some some interesting stories. So I figured I'd reach okay. out. I kind yeah. of figured yeah. it was through Kumas because <laughs> okay. they're kind of yeah. they've been a big hit for a long time. So I, I kind of assumed that, but okay, yeah, cool. Well, I, I appreciate <laughs> you just reaching out to some some uh, some stranger on the internet and <laughs> giving me yeah. giving me some time. I appreciate <laughs> it, man. Uh, so, uh, how did you, how did you start in the industry, man? What was your first, uh, uh, industry job? Well, I would say it was back in probably 2009, 2009, 2010, somewhere around there. I actually, I was, uh, experimenting with the, uh, vegetarian diet for a while. And, um, Uh I realized very quickly that I was eating, uh, grilled cheeses, quesadillas, and I was like, this ain't going to work. So yeah. I reached out to a one of maybe two vegetarian-friendly restaurants in Phoenix, Arizona. And mm-hmm. uh, Is that where you're from? Uh, I'm originally from Yuma, Arizona. But yeah, I lived oh, okay. in Phoenix. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nice. uh, reached out to them and just wrote them a uh, really honest email like, yeah. hey, I've never cooked before. Um, I'm vegetarian, though. And so let's, <laughs> let's make it work. And they hired me. So <laughs> damn. So wait, you, you had no experience in, in cooking at that point. You just, how yeah, old, how no, old were none. you at that point? Uh, probably 20, 20. Yeah. Okay. 20, 21. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's around the same time I got into cooking like 22, 23, something like that. So yeah. you just wanted to learn vegetarian cooking. You wanted to like eat better. Is that, that's a pretty uh, noble I didn't reason even, to, get to the industry. Right. I, I didn't even know if I wanted to eat better. I just like was frustrated that I only knew how to like, dude, I wasn't even yeah. making grilled cheese the right way. I was like <laughs> wrapping up bread and cheese yeah. up in aluminum foil and putting it in the oven, letting it bake for like, you know, 30 what? minutes. <laughs> oh, it's just like a soggy, um, like bread pocket kind of thing. It was horrible. <laughs> oh yeah, my man. God. So That's I, awful. yeah, I was like, I got to figure out how to do this better. And oh, so, nice. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because I had that diet, I reached out to this new restaurant at the time and, uh-huh. and they gave me a shot. And funny enough, I actually, considering my background later in life, uh, 
I went on to become certified as a raw chef um, through that. Okay. Oh, nice. Okay. So yeah, I was going to ask you what kind, what kind of restaurant was that? Was it was it like part of that raw food movement that was kind of going on back then, or was it exactly cooked vegetarian? Hundred percent was. Yeah, it oh, was. Wow. It was okay. vegetarian, um, but focused more on the raw raw aspect of things. <clears throat> so I'm guessing so, a ton of chopping and vegetables and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah. Uh, you know, cutting dinosaur leaves. Uh, and wrapping them up in almond uh, uh, almond butter and veggies and stuff like that. Okay. You know? <laughs> was it pretty like a was it like a low key restaurant or was it a little fancy? Um, I would say it was a little bit of both. They they kind of it, it was like a brunch spot in the morning. Like we were okay. doing like a, a tofu fried sandwiches and stuff, um, mm-hmm. and then it was a bakery mostly. So they were doing it was like a mom and daughter and they were doing this shop together, mostly like a vegan bakery. Um, okay. And then it slowly developed. Like I, I, when I started, we were just doing breakfast sandwiches and stuff. And then later on it developed into like full blown dinner, um, okay. which honestly kind of changed uh, weekly that the, the owner, she was the chef and she uh-huh. kind of just, ran with what ingredients she could at the time and was just putting a that's bunch pretty, of veggies cool. in a pot. Yeah. And just doing <laughs> <her thing. laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. What, uh, what were you doing before that? What, uh, what was going on before you got oh, before that? Kitchens? Before kitchens, man, I, I, I did a couple jobs, mostly like, uh, uh, what's it called? Like telemarketer telemarketing stuff. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Just like different yeah. phone stuff. And, uh, okay. It was horrible. I, I, I yeah. didn't, I never went to work. I had no like discipline. I just yeah. did whatever the hell I wanted to do. I was kind of, yeah. I was dabbling in a lot of crazy shit back then too. And uh, it's funny, but the kitchen ended up kind of saving my life at that time. It, it was a time for discipline that I needed in my life. And it definitely yeah. got me in that mindset. Did you, uh, I know, right. It does it, it, it does that to you, right? Um, yeah. What, what what were you getting into? Was it was it like uh was it trouble or like uh or you just didn't feel like any direction? It was a lot of stuff, man. I I definitely had a lot of uh, where I grew up was kind of rough, not a lot to do. So I kind of have a a drug background okay. drug background from from a okay. younger age. Um, uh-huh. uh, you know, battled that for a long time. You know, yeah, man. And uh, by the time I don't know, probably around the time cooking came to be in my life is about when I finally kind of put that shit away. Yeah. And then, you know how cooking does, it kind of comes back later in life too, you know? So. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. I mean, <laughs> you know, so. how do you not, how do you not get around like the drug culture? I mean, it's, it's, it's just embedded in kitchens. It's crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Did you end up enjoying that and enjoying that job or did you find it kick your ass a little bit or? It was, it was different. So it was a new restaurant. It was, just a mom and daughter owned shop and they didn't exactly know the direction in my opinion at the time they didn't really have a direction and so it was kind of chaotic okay it was constant chaos um you know come in and here's the board for prep and one day it'll be just a couple things and then the next day it's like the whole kitchen and (laughs) shit you know i was just learning so i didn't realize that we could have just prepped that day before like you know set ourselves up you know exactly but, yeah 
so it was so chaotic and I was so green, but, uh, man, yeah, it, it was, it was a lot of chaos for sure. Did you end up staying there quite a while or did you try to escape the chaos? I probably stayed there for a year. Um, and then they fired me. Oh shit. Okay. Under no, like there was no reason they had, they had brought in these other two cooks, um, who came from like, it was some kind of, they came from like a Chili's or something. I'm not, it was stupid, (laughs) but they came from uh, like a Chili's and they, you know, they had their knife kid and their wore their hat yeah. and you know the coat, they had the chef coat. That. Yeah. They had yeah. The coat, you know. <laughs> I wore it later in life, but at the time I was like, these fucking dorks, you know. <laughs> but uh yeah, so they came in and they were doing their thing, cooking up Satan Philly cheesesteaks and whatnot. And okay. then uh <laughs> uh yeah, they fired me. They said, Hey, we're gonna let this team control the kitchen. And I swear two weeks later they called me up and were like, Hey, it didn't really work out with them. Like, can you come back? <laughs> so I oh went back. My God, dude. Yeah. yeah, I went back for probably another few months. Uh, they gave me the keys and I started doing some early morning prep work, you know, coming in, starting the okay. soups in the morning and, and the beans uh-huh. or whatever at the time. And around that time, I don't know, after a few months, I kind of just started dicking around and I, I i definitely like called out a time or two and when you got a small operation of one or two people kind of screwed yeah, them over for sure you yeah know? yeah each person like matters yeah exactly so we kind of eventually came to a mutual decision that i was going to take off and i and i started to dabble in uh front house after that <laughs> oh really why did you why did you do that did you, did you just wanted to make some more money or all my friends were making way more money doing less. Yeah, of course. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you get paid way less to do more in kitchens for sure. Did you go yeah. with a bartender or a, or a server server job? Uh, I actually, I went to this restaurant uh, called Cornish Pasty, uh, which they got a ton of locations now all over. Um, it was okay. it's an amazing restaurant. It's kind of like Kuma's actually uh, for hot okay. pockets. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so right. uh, I, I, Went there and I started dishwashing, just straight up, you know, start at the bottom yeah. thing. And I had the cooking background, so they asked me, they're like, hey, do you want to help us chop up some meat and throw it in a grinder for these pasties or what? And I was like, nope, I'm going to keep washing yeah. dishes and try and sell some beers if I can. And yeah. I mostly just dishwashed and food ran. Uh-huh. Uh, eventually got the food runner and then they let me serve like, for a couple weeks. And by that time I was in a brand new relationship with a girl from that restaurant and Uh she wanted to move to Chicago. So I kind of like, I was like, well, screw it. I'll give up on this because I wanted to focus on my, uh, my raw food stuff that the certification that I got. So I I wanted to cook again. You wanted to go down that path of like raw food and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, I, okay. I, try, I dabbled with the dishwashing in front of house, and it was chaotic and fun. But I, I wanted to pursue that uh, that certificate or whatever that I had. Uh-huh. So there was this restaurant in Chicago called Karen's Raw, and okay, she, my girlfriend at the time, wanted to move to Chicago, so she's like, "Let's go." I got an apartment for like a hundred bucks a month, living with like ten people or some <laughs> shit. And I was like, "Yeah, right." Fuck it. I threw some clothes in a backpack and was gonna go work for Karen. 
or so I thought. <laughs> yeah. So you didn't end up that at that place? No. Well, I went there uh, to Chicago and yeah, I filled out a uh, application, sent him a resume, mm-hmm. tried to talk to some people, but I was new to the city and I needed to find a job kind of ASAP. So I just yeah. throwing resumes everywhere I could. Um, yeah. And yeah. Where did, it, you end, where did you end up? That was about two weeks after living in, a, in Chicago. I got the call from Kuma's, Kuma's Corner in Chicago. Dang. So right away, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Right away. So had they just started right back then? Because I don't even know how long they've been around. No. So they they opened up in like 2005 um, and they were like a okay. bistro wow. for a couple of years um, before the really? whole burger thing caught on. Wait, so like like French bistro, that kind of thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know much about it. I wasn't around during that time, but that's yeah. what they started as. And one of the regulars in the neighborhood who's still around and will tell you the story, uh, really? some old dude, he talked the uh, owner into making some burger with pulled pork on it. Uh-huh. He always was like, put on Led Zeppelin while I eat my burger. What? And okay. at some right. point he decided that he's got this burger, Led Zeppelin for the regular. And then it kind of just picked up and went from there. And by the time I got there, it was 2011. So uh-huh. it was a couple years into the burger craze, but dude, it was oh, like, yeah. it was like a four hour wait on a Tuesday night type of thing. Like Jeez. every single day, damn. every morning going to work, there was a line down the block. Jesus. Yeah. It was crazy. Uh, yeah. But that's, yeah, that's when I started. Did you start at like a at dishwasher or server again, or did you start in the kitchen? I started in the kitchen. Yeah. I, uh, I started in the kitchen, had a had a crazy interview, and they were like, "All right, come tomorrow." <laughs> oh, so they were were they pretty desperate? They were like in in need of people. Yeah, so I, I don't know how true this is, but apparently, like the summer that I started, um, they ha- had told me that they had gone through something like over a hundred cooks within like four or five months span. Oh my god! Of like just like stage. Didn't come back, worked the night, didn't come back. Like it was Holy crazy shit. there. <laughs> that's that's crazy. Is that just how Chicago was, or is it just such a crazy kitchen that people didn't really want to stick around? Kuma's Corner at that time was like it was the hottest restaurant. Um the, there was a burger craze. Um and it was the yeah. big burgers. Not because now you go and it's all the the griddle patties. That's the craze now. But uh-huh. at this time it was the Monster burgers, 10 ounce yeah, patties like, with it, a bunch of shit yeah, piled yeah. on top. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cooked to medium rare, you know. Um, yeah. That became the craze. And so people wanted to eat there. Um, and the kitchen was only three people. It was, uh, and it was really small, really, really, really tiny. Really? And wow. Yeah. I would say, like, dude, there were bathrooms that I've so many bathrooms I've been in that are smaller than this kitchen. Like it's crazy. <laughs> That's insane. It was so tiny. There's three of us. Um, you've got like your salad app guy, saute and grill, and you're just uh-huh. cranking, cranking, cranking burgers. Uh-huh. And the sad part about that situation was this place is just sh- bringing in money. And the owner was a real, real tight ass and he didn't fix nothing. So we had like our hoods didn't work. And so the whole place, the, the the kitchen especially, obviously, be filling up with smoke. Where yeah, with that many patties. Yeah, 
Holy yeah, shit. Yeah. And especially like we get a bad batch from whoever at the time and they're really fatty and we're just smoking up the place. Fuck, man. We used to wear sunglasses and bandanas on the line. Like I'm not even joking. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, he just was, was he wouldn't fix anything because he just didn't want to he yeah. wouldn't want to spend the money. Oh my god. He didn't want to spend no money, yeah. And he was yeah, raking yeah. in the dough, so he just he wanted to see it keep rising. Um <laughs> there was there was like so shit. in that area of Chicago, there was like underneath the the asphalt, there was still like that brick under layer, <laughs> like the, the the streets used to be brick. And they just put oh. asphalt right on top of it. Okay. In our kitchen, in our kitchen, like they, they put the building on top of the brick, but in our kitchen, there ended up being this huge divot, like just giant hole that uh, stayed there. It was there when I started and stayed there for years. And so like oh in, in this tiny little area, you'd have to take a step into this almost six inches deep, probably um, What the fuck? Uh, a hole just yeah and then and of you course there's like oil and there's fryers everywhere and hot shit every like it's crazy yeah. so many accidents <laughs> wait how did at that point how do you how do you get a health inspection like do they do you just cover up the hole when the health inspector comes in or like what how how does that i don't, understand I don't know how, how much i can big. divulge but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't have to. That's insane. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of money going to the right hands uh during <laughs> okay. that time. Yeah. And it's Chicago, yeah. so you know like you know the history of how things work out there, I'm sure. And it's just That's insane. Throw a couple bucks to it's the fire guy and he's like, Yeah, all right, you can have right. 150 people in this room, no problem. <laughs> That's, there could be smoke insane. filling up. It's all good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The customers don't care. They just want their food too. Uh, damn, that's insane. Do you know how that hole happened? Uh, no, I don't actually. I I I never asked. Um, they just what they did. It's funny. They would just like pile up. They would get wet wet cardboard from downstairs in the basement. Oh my god! Get wet cardboard and kind of fill the hole each day, and then. The, the mole men or porters, whatever you want to call them, they would uh -huh. come up and each night that would be part of their duties was to like get rid of this nasty grease filled like paper mache thing that built <laughs> like in this hole. Holy shit. <laughs> oh my God. That's crazy. I mean, I, I used to work on trailers and stuff. We'd do the same sort of thing, like lay down boxes and stuff and, and they'd be covered in grease and black, you know ooze by the end of the night and stuff but nothing i don't think as bad as that's that's pretty that's pretty gnarly man yeah yeah and it was years yeah it's crazy that's insane <laughs> what were we saying about the i was saying the customers don't really uh they don't seem to care but you, you were saying something yeah the customers really didn't care uh it was part <laughs> of the appeal it was crazy like yeah, right? i remember that at one point they had a list of rules and the rules were like okay. it was so lame it would be like no bitching oh, okay. and like for customers don't ask for ketchup and like yeah, <laughs> or, yeah. or not ketchup yeah. sorry uh don't no ranch oh yeah okay and uh part of the appeal was yeah that it was smoky it was the the waitresses and the bartenders who were only allowed to be women would <laughs> okay be right they would be rude to you they would like, like oh just what, yeah, what, yeah. what what you know you can't change the ingredients on the burger bro that's like they would just there was no like customer uh, uh service or you know they they yeah. didn't cater to them in any type of way. <laughs> okay and they loved it they ate it up 
Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, people, people, <laughs> people like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah when I worked in uh, at trailers in Austin, it was the same way. You could just be like, "No, fuck you. You're you're being rude right now. You can't have food." Be like, "I waited an hour. I don't care. Get the fuck exactly. out of here." Exactly like that. Yeah, yeah, and, and people <laughs> just keep calling back. They don't care. They don't care. It's weird. They don't. So, how did you work your way up the ladder there? Well, you started uh, as a cook. Yeah, honestly, there it was kind of easy. Uh, uh, so to speak, like it was definitely a difficult task because like going to work every day and performing was very difficult, but all you had to do was make it like, just, just last. If you could last long enough, (laughs) then somebody else is going to quit and you're going to move up to the next station. And I I think I was two weeks, two weeks into, uh, apps and salads and, uh, the chef at the time came up to me and he was like, I-, I was probably making 11 bucks an hour. And he's like, I'm going to give you 15 bucks an hour, which was big deal in 2000. That's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's like, I'm going to give you 15 bucks yeah. an hour. If you can go up to that saute station and uh-huh. be okay at it in like the next two weeks. Yeah. I was like, all right, let's, let's go. <laughs> and then, yeah. So it was just a couple of weeks. And then he offered me saute because somebody quit. And then so on and so forth. It just kept happening till I got on grill and uh, yeah, just kind of ate through the ranks. And it, like I said, just lasting. Damn. And at that time too, um, there was a lot of just like culinary students and things that were okay. traveling from, you know, the trend where you all work six months here, six months there, six months there. Yeah. 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 They, there was a kind of a lot of that that was happening and they tried to avoid it at kumas but you know not everybody in their interview is transparent yeah but uh, yeah that definitely happened you know they especially at that time they wanted kumas on the on their resume so they'd go and oh, do really? three months work their ranks and then and then take off yeah just to throw yeah. it on the resume really mm-hmm. that's wild okay so kumas was that hot shit it was like if you had it on your resume it was like sort of badge of honor kind of it thing? spoke for volume it spoke that you could yeah. that you can work in in high volume like every second of the day like it just like never from open to close it was just constant there was never a lull Jesus man it, it was crazy That's crazy did you work all day was that was that the way the shift was was it just working all day or was it was it lunch and dinner split when I was just when I was a line cook it was it was split it was a, a you know morning shift uh, night shift. I take that back because it was a 24 hour ran thing. So there was like prep cooks that came in at like literally like midnight, 2 a.m. God damn. Yeah, it kind of straggled, uh, staggered the uh, schedule in order to accommodate to the prep. And then by, I think it was like 10 a.m., yeah, morning cooks come in. And then their last hour of work was just prepping, not even prepping, it was bringing stuff to the line. Because we had okay. uh, a basement, we'd have to go down these really steep stairs, so dangerous. Uh, we'd go down these really steep stairs in this tiny ass walk-in, and then we had also a, a, an upstairs that was not sanctioned. Uh, it was an apartment, <laughs> and we used it for oh, storage. For real? Oh shit! <laughs> to this day, yeah, like dry storage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dry storage, but they had a fridge up there. Uh, just like a regular ass, like uh, home appliance fridge, but we packed that thing full of cameras, full of shit. That, you know, 
as much as we could. We wow. had a fry yeah. fry freezer up there. <laughs> I cooked up there a bunch. <laughs> oh sh- shit! God damn! Was it so? It didn't have like a hood vent or anything like that. It was just like no, dude. It was apartment. a straight up apartment. Yeah. Straight up. So it had like there's a, a lot. Of, there's a lot of that in Chicago. Yeah, there's a lot of that. What do you mean? Like there's apartments above. Like, Apartments above uh, restaurants. restaurants. Yeah, because everything in Chicago is so condensed. And so yeah. uh, there's just like, yeah, there's like a Bank of America, but then there will be apartments above it. It, it could be any business and there's just like shit above it. And that's how God Kuma's damn. was. I actually eventually lived. There's three stories. I eventually lived at, at the yeah. top floor of Kuma's at one point. Holy shit. Because I couldn't get away from it. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. I well, lost my what happened to the? Uh, no, you're good. What happened to the to the raw food? Like, did did it just kind of fall by the wayside because like Kuma's just got so consuming or what? Yeah, that's kind of what happened. So it's it's funny because I was still vegetarian. I started at Kuma's, and I think it was a couple weeks into it, probably when I was about to become saute. I was trying to get on on the chef's good side. And he fucked up a burger. Uh-huh. He probably wouldn't admit that, but he fucked up a burger. <laughs> it got returned. Yeah. And he says, eat that. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. Uh, uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm veggie, bro. I already told you. He said, eat that shit right now. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and I ate it. Oh, fucked up. Oh, <laughs> and it shit. was amazing. Yeah. Was- <laughs> <laughs> How long had it been since you had meat at that point? Probably six years. Holy Probably shit. Probably six man. years. And then I had a plague bringer from, from Kuma's Corner. And oh, look, my hair's standing up, man. I can, you can't see it. But, <laughs> uh, it was an amazing experience, man. That, that, that burger was uh, life changing. It, it was life changing at that moment. You know, I didn't even uh-huh. know why, but it changed a lot of things and it changed the wow. trajectory uh, from not giving a fuck about raw food. Like right at that moment was like. That you're like, fuck it. Fuck do, you, it. do you know what and, that what that was like? Why, why did you? Was it just the, the taste or because it was cool, man? It was cool. <laughs> okay, and I was like, it was a fucking yeah. metal restaurant for sure. Everybody's covered in tattoos and cool, and at least what I perceived yeah. as a twenty two year old, like, oh man, everybody's cool. I want to do this yeah. too, and yeah. definitely didn't want to be with the fucking the stroller moms in in the <laughs> other neighborhood <laughs> cooking at Karen's yeah. raw. What was I thinking? <laughs> and that whole yeah. fad died anyways. So I'm really thankful oh, that super fast. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thankful that yeah. I didn't go that route. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, I stayed with Kumas for a long time and, and got, you know, experienced a lot of shit there. So damn. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, how do you think you made it so long if it was such a rough place, but it sounds like you uh, had sort of a, change in direction sort of an existential change there because kumas like i i definitely learned i told you about the discipline that i learned from yeah from the other restaurant you know and when i got to kumas it was uh, a lot more militant and like it, really like yeah we had we went by what was called kumas time and so if you were supposed to be there at 11 a.m your truly oh. scheduled time was 10 45 ready to roll dressed okay. on the line 1045. Yeah. Just because they were just so strict on everything. Really? We want to be early. We want to be look nice. God damn. Yeah. It was, it was the, the, the militant aspect of it. I kind of despise now in hindsight, but it gave me as a young person 
um, just something to strive for. Like, oh shit, these guys are cool. And this is what they're doing. Okay. I want to be the yeah. best. I want to be the yeah, best at right. this thing. And so, yeah, that meant coming to work early and, and staying late. And, you know, yeah. uh, when people call off showing up for their shift, you know, yeah. just whatever you could do. And then also it was a badge of honor to say like, Oh, I did three shifts in one day. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Not right. even, you know, you just, I, <laughs> I suffered the most this week. Yeah. yeah. That, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, for sure. A lot of pride with that. That was definitely a mentality. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm happy I, about I that now. to be that. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember doing the same kind of stuff when I was younger and it's, I mean, it's easy to do when you're younger because you have that kind of mentality, but, um, I didn't expect it to be that, that militant. It, uh, it always seemed to me like such a casual place, but, but you say you don't appreciate it now because it kind of like, uh, just take over your life or, or what sort of well, gave you some different perspective on it? I think just that it's my overall, um, idea of just working at restaurants in general how it developed over the years of working in restaurants. I just like, yeah, I despise the, the, you know, toxic masculinity and like the wearing the badge of honor that says I worked 16 hours today. And, uh, you know, yeah, that's not a good thing to coming do. to work yeah. when you're sick or when your mom died or <laughs> yeah. whatever, you know, it's, yeah. you know, I despise yeah. that. But back yeah. then it was, you know, whatever I can do to, for, yeah. for Kumas, you know? Yeah. Even though they yeah, were not paying you anything and, no, they gave you yeah, a cool you jacket. Out of your, like, <laughs> <laughs> I got a badass jacket. Yeah, you got the apparel. <laughs> yeah, you got the badass jacket, and you make fifteen dollars yeah. an hour. You're like, I'm badass. But uh, yep. yeah, it's terrible to look back on it and be like, man, that's. I will. And also health wise, I mean, sure, shit, you fucking like inhaling all that shit. Probably didn't have health care, uh, and they're just yeah. working you the bone. Yeah, totally, man. I, I I totally get it. It's um, it's it's amazing how different it seems after the pandemic the pandemic seems to have changed a lot in in that way especially like people on the line seem to appreciate uh or sort of despise that kind of culture now so and hopefully restaurants i think restaurants are kind of waking up to it i don't know yeah you, you hear you hear some restaurants doing good things you know some some i see yeah. some half of my friends saying oh this is the best restaurant i've worked at and then yeah. you've got other friends that are saying oh we're back at square one you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, how long did you how long did you stay at, at Kumas? Kumas. Um, I had two stints there, um, but my first one, uh, 2011 to 2016, I believe. Yeah, it was about yeah. a five year run where the like the last okay. year and a half, two years was as executive chef. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, about six years, five five to six years or so. Yeah. How did you get that chef job? Is it just the same thing? Like the guy just ended up leaving and you're like the next in line or something? Yeah, it sort of, because basically it, it's funny because the way that it worked there is that uh, girls worked, they were servers and they were bartenders. Guys did everything yeah. else, uh, including upper management, like GM. So, oh shit. The GM, so there was no female GMs or assistant? No female leadership. No. God damn. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and that was intentional, uh, very intentional. Um, oh, shit. Um, okay. but, uh, so upper management like GM was always, uh, uh, we had one for a really long time and then he got fired for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And then, so our chef at the time moved up to GM and then that kept happening that, that rotated. 
like the GM would leave, head chef would step up into the GM position. Okay. Um, and that happened two or three times to the point where I finally wiggled my way up to that exec position. Yeah. So you ended up making the food or was that, was that somebody else's, or sorry, making, making like the burgers and the specials and stuff or creating the menu yeah, or so is that already like rolling at that point? There's definitely like a, 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 a consistent menu that stays yeah. like every day, you know, uh, from old recipes mm-hmm. from way back when. Uh, but then each month the chef was required to create like a, a burger of the month. Yeah. Generally you'd like contact the band that you wanted to do it on and you kind of like try to collab and, and whatnot. So uh-huh. I did the burgers of the month for quite some time. And then once the fad of Kuma started dying, um, we had to develop other things. So we had like a Mac of the month. I had to start creating a lot more actually uh, later down the line. Uh-huh. So I was making yeah. burgers um, and, and all it was, was like either a burger or Mac and cheese and then throwing shit on top of it or inside of it. Um, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, that yeah. like appealed to a metalhead or somebody who wants to overindulge. Yeah, it's very over. It's very indul- indulgent. Yeah, it's a lot of yes. a lot of shit. Um, but what was the connection to the to the bands? Like, did that did that just sort of come about because of the Chicago metal scene, or is that uh, was that was that your choice or somebody else's choice? Because you guys selected some pretty obscure bands and stuff. I mean, I know I love the Chicago metal scene, like Indian and and. Uh, uh, God, I, I'm blanking on some names right now, but the the Chicago scene is, is disturbed. So, <laughs> it's disturbed from Chicago. I yeah, have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys ever do They're a actually, disturbed burger? No, but there's a funny video online of that dude who's pissed. He's like, "Well, Kumas won't do a burger for us. You know, we're, we're, they're too cool for us." Yeah, bro. Oh, I gotta check that out. I'll put that at the end of this of this episode. Actually, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's hilarious. But there's a lot of good Chicago bands, and uh, honestly, back then, a lot of those dudes were uh, were working part time. Um, we've had oh like, for real, yeah. We had a guy from Pelican, a uh, guy from Indian. Nice. Um, uh, one of our one of our dudes had a pretty big band in like the '90s. Um, but our head chef at the time, he was in a band called Encrust. Um, okay, and they. Uh, he was just really tight knit in the Chicago metal scene. And so, yeah, okay. there was just metal dudes working, you know, they were always like dishwashers and shit, but you know, yeah. making a buck or two yeah. Uh, yeah. before they went on tour or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, so we had a lot of musicians work there and we, you know, it, it really like just slowly developed the, the chef that I started working with, he was in the metal scene. So he was reaching out to his buddies. Okay. And then later, uh, other chefs, it kind of was like, well, I want to do bands that I like. And then so okay, it became uh, eventually cool to just like find like an email address or uh, some kind of social media or something to contact the band and be like, hey, I'm from Kuma's. I want to do a burger for y'all. Do you want to collab? And oh, that's, that's nine cool. times out of 10, they were oh, like most bands were like, yeah, fuck it. Let's, you know. Throw some, throw a snake on there, bro. We're from the Southwest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're like, well, no, we can't do that. But <laughs> do you remember some crazy collaborations? I will say the the first thing that comes to my mind uh-huh. is it's frustrating. It's this band. It was this band called Saint Vitus uh, out of New York. Okay, I want to say. Them. 
it's not yeah, the really. not the venue. I know there's a venue called yeah. uh, St. Vitus, but there's a band too. One of the guys actually yeah. was a chef and has a barbecue hot sauce line. But okay. uh, he worked it with the GM. Uh, they collaborated with the GM instead of the chef. And uh-huh. they made this burger that was, it was peanut butter and pico de gallo. <laughs> mm. And that shit. is like, that was the Ooh. first thing that came to my mind. That shit was dumb. And we did it for a whole month. And oh my God. yes, people ordered it. Oh my God. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, how many did you sell? But yeah, Good quite Lord. a few. There was some meathead around the corner um, in the neighborhood that used to get a double. He'd get a double with the, just the peanut butter, no pico. What the fuck? Right after the gym. Bulking <laughs> up. <laughs> Get that protein. Oh my God. Did you try it? Was it, was it, uh, was it interesting? Was it negative? I would, I didn't try it. No. No. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't try it. We, at the time we were really upset that the, that the GM like went behind our back and created this thing. Cause now like this dude's the chef who is on his name's on the menu. And yeah. this guy's putting out a burger with Pico and peanut butter on it, you know, with this guy's name. So it's, it, we were kind of upset at the time, you know, yeah. it was ill representation of what we were trying to do at the time. You know? yeah. 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 So you had a couple stints there. Did you end up leaving? Um, and then coming back, you said, yeah, I left in like 20, 2016, I want to say. And okay. I ventured back into the front of house. <laughs> okay. And then, uh, I went back to Kuma's a few years later, 2019. I went to Kuma's 2019. I went back as the sous chef okay. because the, their, their, their head chef at the time was a buddy of mine who's also in a, a Chicago metal band. But he, uh, which, which he, one? Uh, they're called Saren. Okay. They just, re- they're, they're, it's more hardcore. Um, they just okay. really released an album, I want to say, in November. It's really great. Okay. Yeah, but check it out. He was, he was the chef and he just like, he was yeah. focused on his band and whatnot. Like, I don't want to speak. Yeah, so his, his, his focus him. was elsewhere. Yeah. His focus was elsewhere at that moment. So I kind of stepped in, um, tried to help out, but then it kind of ended up me just kind of taking the lead pretty quickly. And unfortunately, like upper management was just like, we're going to just 86 this dude, the other, the other guy. And they made me head chef yeah. again. Uh-huh. So I was head chef, uh, basically until the pandemic hit from then. Yeah. Damn. Were you, so, and then did you, did you quit after that or did you just, did they let everybody go and then reorganized or pandemic hit? And, uh, we did the whole two week, like, you know, the official, like there was like two weeks where like everything kind of shut down right away. Yeah, literally, literally so, everything. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. We did the two weeks and then we came back, did the, like, just to go thing. And it was mm-hmm. fucking chaos. It was like, it reminded me oh of the God. early days when it was just, it was crazy. We we're doing like five different, uh, delivery services or whatever and just holy shit yeah the tickets were just like it was crazier than if the restaurant was open and they they wouldn't shut it off and so it'd be like two hour wait times to to get a burger to a a plate and then to the the customer was taking like upwards to two to three hours and no one in upper management wanted to listen to what anybody wanted to say and you know like, cause they never do. And, um, yeah, I just got to a point where I was like, Oh, all my homies are making unemployment, uh, yeah. sitting around yeah, playing right. computer games. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. boys. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I took off and I, I immediately got a, a grant from uh, guy Fieri 
actually right after that. Oh, you got the Guy Fieri grant? Yeah, I did. Yeah, thankfully nice, that kind of yeah that put me put me on a new trajectory um, that enabled me, ironically enough, to stop cooking. <laughs> Thanks, <Yeah>. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> did you? Uh, what did you? What did you end up uh, getting into? Um, so right at that time, I was really interested in the new, uh, like the boom of cannabis. Okay. And especially in Illinois, uh, right it, at that time. Is it legal in Illinois? Yeah, it became, it, it was been medically illegal for a while, five plus years. But then in okay. January of 2020, day, January 1, um, wow. it became recre- recreationally legal. Uh-huh. And uh, come the pandemic, all the weed stores ran out of weed because everybody's sitting at home uh, uh, smoking, smoking weed. weed. Yeah. And they literally, you go to the dispensary and all they would have was like a can of mints. They had no weed left. Um, and oh my God. for some reason that like appealed to me. I was like, I got to be a part of this. This is a boom. Yeah. So yeah. I went to, I, I took that money that guy gave me and I went to a cannabis college. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. Wait, so what, what's involved in that? Is it like they teach you how to grow it and like all the economics behind it or? Yeah. Th- or, so there's what, a couple different certifications um, that I actually got through there. Um, I did receive uh-huh. a certification for horticulture. So yeah, how uh-huh. to grow it and maintain it and whatnot. But then um, what I really got into was the science aspect. There's not a whole lot of science on it, but um, the little bit that we do have, like understanding how cannabis affects us how they affect us each differently and why what products work what ways and and whatnot so yeah that's that's really interesting yeah essentially became like a glorified uh bud tender if you will or whatever Um, (laughs) okay but working working for a really reputable place that focused on like actual cannabis science as opposed to like marketing or uh you know just shoving whatever down people's throats Okay, so that's what you're doing now. No, actually, I just pivoted again. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find the the big boy job because with the cannabis yeah. thing, I, I came out to Los Angeles. I moved to Los Angeles a com- couple years ago, and uh, it was going great. And I was doing cannabis education, so I was actually like training a, a team. All this stuff that I learned at that college uh, and whatnot, uh-huh. and. Yeah. Um, some something happened. Um, somebody forgot to lock a door, and it happened on my watch. And eighty six, oh, cut me off. Oh, yeah. Damn, so, man. so at that point, I was just like, I, I don't want to do retail. I don't want to do restaurant stuff. So I just, uh, even though you just heard about all the tech layoffs, I just started a tech boot camp. So, <laughs> okay, we're gonna try that. We're gonna go down that route and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, you're you're out of kitchens forever. You don't you don't uh, see yourself going back. No negative. I although I did today uh, during my lesson, I was finding out that finding a job after this boot camp that I'm doing right now it might take a substantial amount of time to acquire that first job. Uh-huh. So I did at, at one point today. I have told myself, "Am I going to go fucking flip a couple burgers at the spot around the corner just to maintain yeah. until I find that next job?" Uh-huh. I'm going to try not to. Yeah, but I'm not scared to hop back in for as long as I know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I feel more for confident sure. about, you know, maybe I'll go, you know, throw back a few with these with these boys back there. You know, we'll see. <laughs> Check it out. Yeah, but on the chef once again. Yeah, but yeah. I, I but at at the end of the day, no, no, I do not. 
I love cooking at home. I love cooking for my partner, my friends, very much so. Like every Sunday, I have a I have a cookout, and all my friends come. And, nice. Uh, so I, I I still love yeah. still love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the the reason you 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 absolutely you'd never go back in? Was it the experience at Kumas, or you, you think it's just uh, pay or age or what? What is it? Uh, basically everything that you just mentioned. Yeah, it's, it's okay. the, the, the stuff, it's the yeah. experience. Cause it, it wasn't just at, at Kuma's, you know, later I worked at a couple other restaurants, worked for some, some other restaurant groups that were, took care of their employees, but just the, the, the atmosphere around it, like you, you can pay me 20 bucks an hour, but it still doesn't stop me from feeling like shit from getting slammed all night. And then, yeah. of course, I want a thousand beers after, you know, uh, and, yes. and it's just like, yeah. it's not a sustainable lifestyle. No, absolutely not. And, yeah, I just, just wanted to, just had to get out of it and just wanted to not, you know, be around the, the, the toxicity of it, the negativity. I just, especially going from that to cannabis, dude, everybody's happy. I, I was literally hugging every uh, coworker <laughs> that I had every day. You know, that's, it was just a yeah. complete 180. Um, yeah, and that's the opposite that, of kittens. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what kind of changed my mind. Is like, while I love the camaraderie that does come with that, uh-huh. and, and I appreciate the 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 lifelong friends that I acquired through that. Because when you're in the trenches yeah. with somebody, that's oh, your yeah. brother, and and you'll you'll love them forever. I'm thankful for all that, but. Uh, the other stuff involved, especially with like higher ups, higher management owners, yeah, they just don't give a fuck about you. No, no, it's they sad. don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you couldn't see yourself opening a spot and trying to change the game a little bit. <laughs> no, I, you know that's that's been on my mind before, and, and I, I really love what what P, uh, a lot of restaurants are doing nowadays. Um, I love uh, Turkey and the Wolf. You know Turkey and the Wolf out of New Orleans. Uh, I've heard Mason I've Hereford. heard a lot about him, but I don't really know too much about him. Yeah, I've yeah, just heard the name a lot. It's this guy Mason Hereford. He's out of New Orleans. He was just uh-huh. on some Netflix show or something. He's kind of getting some. He's getting some. Uh, getting some buzz some hype right around now. him. Yeah. But yeah, uh, his restaurants are amazing. Um, he's like very vocal about what he pays all of his people, and it's like like twenty four bucks an hour to fucking wash dishes and shit. Like it's just like over the top. And uh, they just really pride themselves on like, I don't know, if it's raining too hard. They're like, we're closed. We don't want staff to have to come through the rain. Like, you yeah. know, just all these very little things that are for the employees as opposed to putting more money in somebody else's pocket or whatever. It's just like yeah. the focus is on us first and then y'all. And so I, I respect that. I personally would never want to. Uh, it's just a lot of work, and yeah, for I, sure. I, I unfortunately I don't have the I don't have it in me anymore to to do that type of work. Yeah, but I respect yeah. I respect the people that do, and I, I yeah for sure will gladly spend my money at their restaurants. Easy. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. So do you? Wait, actually, one last question. Do you know if like uh, if any any people that still work at Kuma's like is that is that place kind of uh, changing or is it still kind of the same same you know business as usual kind of thing? The only people that I would know would have been like uh, uh, bartenders from way back okay. when because uh, the bartenders when I worked there they had they were there since the beginning and Jesus man those those uh, those bartenders walk out 
with a lot of money. And at one point they were known for being like kind of the most lucrative bartenders. So they stayed. They, and, and if anybody is still there, it's probably one or two of those, those people. But there's definitely no cooks or anything related to anybody that I was around at that time. It's been Damn. far. It's as soon as they started to first they sold ownership, ownership. Uh, the owner sold it to his brother who was an accountant and he okay. just, he started expanding too quickly really bad ideas, knows nothing about metal or like the culture that Kuma's provided for 10 years before him. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. He just ran it into the, he would have eventually did a disturbed burger. That's where he was at, you know? Oh, shit. So, okay. <laughs> God so, damn. Wait, wait. So did it, did it transfer back or something or is he still in, is he still in charge? Yeah, no, it's still the brother. Um, he, yeah. there was one point where he sold, it's kind of franchised. So there is a franchise space in indianapolis that was the original chef that i started under he was kind of given like a piece because he was like around the company for so long he was given a piece before the original owner left he opened up indianapolis but eventually especially after the pandemic the uh uh the owner the the accountant brother he's like super cop supporter and all this bullshit so everybody Uh linked just broke ties and was like we're done. No more Kumas. Damn. Yeah. It, Damn. It's sort of, it's sad. It bit the bucket though. Damn. Well, uh, it had a good run, I guess, you know, like, uh, yeah, right. You can always, remember and I don't hole, doubt yeah. if you, I don't doubt if you go there, I don't, I don't want to talk shit. Cause I'm sure if you go there and the barbecue pork fries, I'm sure that they're still just as amazing, but just yeah. the people yeah, that yeah. are behind it, the people at the top. No, bueno. yeah. Not good. Damn. Is that why they've have they sort of lost the ties with a lot of bands or something, or do they still do a lot of a lot of like uh, support of of local bands and stuff? Actually, From what I noticed, there does uh-huh. seem to be like not very much like outreach to bands. Um, but I think it's because uh-huh. the people that actually gave a shit about metal, who are like about the Kuma culture, they all just all like bad. left, and and so Damn. I don't know who the new generation of cooks are or what their like dedication to metal or whatever is yeah. um but it was yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a lot different than uh what we were all doing and you know from 2010 to 17 or so 16 yeah 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 all right man well well thanks man i appreciate you talking again yeah um yeah man thank you thank you uh good luck with everything uh good luck with the with the tech search it's not easy you know, you spend your you spend like 10, 15 years in kitchens and then you try to get a new job and people are like, Well, you don't have the experience in, in, in anything. Kinda, yeah. It's I crazy. That, it's but that's why I'm doing the boot camp thing. Yeah. What I kind of find strange is that like I probably because they don't know, but like being in kitchens, it requires so much fucking effort and a lot of skill and a lot of like dedication and hard work, and you learn things really quickly. So maybe they just don't know that that's sort of an asset, but you know. It's hard. It's hard to explain that to somebody. Yeah. All you need to get is your foot in that door, though. You once you get your exactly, foot in the door sure. and you apply the yeah. skills that you acquired in the kitchen exactly. to whatever that new employment is, you rise to the top. It, it just it, for sure that yeah. type of mentality will get you places. You know. So there's there's pros and cons. Always. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, shit, man. I really appreciate you coming on, man. I really do.
Uh, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to speak because I, I like to talk about it, you know, and I haven't talked about it in good, a long man. time. So <laughs> awesome, dude. Yeah. See, I think, um, as like one last thing, but, uh, I think, uh, it's not necessarily shit talking. It's like, I feel like, uh, some of this stuff needs to like get out there. Cause a lot of people don't know what happened, the dirty shit that happens in restaurants, especially from owners and things like that. So, uh, I think, uh, I think part of why I do this thing is so that so pe- people can like have a voice, right? You, none of, none of this stuff would have been said if you hadn't come on here and said it. Right. So. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate I, the work you're doing because it, it, oh, it's thanks, a good, it, it's a really good thing to hear what uh, every person in every part of the restaurant industry should have something to say. I mean, from exactly. dishwashing to to GM, uh, they, they just they, everybody's got something to say for sure. Yeah, man. All right, dude, I'll let you go. I'll let you have uh, right. enjoy the rest of the night. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, brother. Have a good, have one. A good one. Oh, we're not cool enough apparently. I've always been really upset about that. Apparently, we're not obscure or you know underground enough, or just not cool enough to them. I, I, maybe because we have, you know, maybe because we came up during the new metal age, or maybe because uh, you know their tastes just don't go towards the more melodic aspect of rock, or maybe we're just I don't know. I, I I always I always was upset about that. I, I I remember the last time I went in there. You know, I felt like piercing eyes on me, like the whole time I was in there. And I'm like, oh my god, this is not comfortable. You know, I was like, like what the hell's he doing here? You know, he's one of these sellout rock guys, one of these sellout <laughs> metal guys, whatever radio friendly rock or metal. And you know, if you look on that menu, everything is either you know classic metal or underground metal. It's never, you know, it's not us.